0: you are now in the Corn Luth podcast a sports podcast from belly Up sports and the belly up podcast network here is your host jared clinton ladies and gentlemen Welcome to another edition of the Corner Booth Podcast. I am your host, Jared Clem, alongside—oh wait, it's not Kevin? No. Today, Kevin, is unfortunately, he's got family stuff to do today, so you know what? I am by my good buddy, the newest member of the Corner Booth, friends and family, and belly of sports, host of the NBA Morning Deuce Podcast,
1: Joey Livin. Joey, how you doing, buddy? Dude, that is, uh a—that is a— Top notch intro. I'm I'm pumped. I mean, I was already pumped. I'm pretty honored to be here, but I that that was big time. I'm I'm, I'm doing great, man. I, look, NBA morning douche. You said it, so you know I'm obviously an NBA guy. Mm-hmm. And what be better for an NBA guy than starting at 30 every day and going to midnight just watching hoops all day? It's like the NCAA tournament for NBA basketball. So it's just it's perfect for me.
0: I was thinking that actually that's a really good analogy because the other day I thought about this. I'm like. When are we? When am I going to be able to, like sit in my like in my chair and watch a game on my phone if I'm like on the job like if I'm like driving to a truck stop or whatever I'm just sitting around like I could have watched the Bucks lose to the Magic uh, like literally just in the middle of the afternoon like you don't get that anymore it's it's oh, great
1: so it's so good it's so good
0: unless you're on the west coast but I mean we got a west big show today.
1: It's even better for me because I'm on the East Coast and I do a podcast every day, five days a week about basketball. So now the latest game is 930.
0: I mean, listen, man, I'm going to start picking up my my uh, you got me. You got me wanting to hustle more because I'm, I'm loving this. So, ladies and gentlemen, by the way, as we approach football season, you know, Corner Booth goes back to twice a week, along with the Corner Booth Live. It's going to be a crazy year. NFL, see, of course, we're going to get kicked off right now. NFL is already in full swing. We've got. My boy Carson Wentz looking like a MVP candidate already. Only two drops in Eagles practice this week, folks. Two okay. drops All on the right. team with the most drops of anybody. Um, rough news, though, for America's team. Gerald McCoy uh, tore his ACL, done for the season. Honestly, this really affects Dallas because their biggest issue was they when they fell behind, they could not really crawl back. Their interior, their D-line is kind of what's always been their struggle. I mean, they have the best linebacking duo in football with, uh, and you want to go trio with Sean Lee, too, but with uh, Jalen Smith and Layton Vanderesh. And of course, you have Everson Griffin, their newest acquisition off the edge, along with, uh, you know, the most overpaid defensive end in football, Demarcus Lawrence. But it's still a very formidable D line if they had Joe McCoy. He's not out for the year. This is a big hit for Dallas, Joey. I. I've been trying to like keep my Eagles – like I, I, I am very good at keeping my Eagles bias down. I will talk about my Eagles, but I know when they're beaten, when they're outmatched. Dallas' D-line three days ago scared the living daylights out of me when they signed Griffin. Now they have nobody in the middle of that defense. It's going to be hard for them to stop the running game when you have a division with Saquon and Miles Sanders and Adrian Peterson all in the same division. Dallas is going to struggle this year stopping the run and controlling the clock.
1: It's interesting because so as soon as I saw the news come out, I uh, the guy that I really go to for my for my Cowboys info is a, a former colleague of mine, Patrick Walker, covers uh, Dallas Cowboys for CBS Sports. So I read his article about the injury and I, look, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend to be an NFL expert here. So I take my I take my cues from the experts. And Patrick was saying like, hey, there's no doubt this is a, this is a problem. This is a problem, but They have some depth. It seems as though that when Mike McCarthy came in, he was not planning for a season ending injury, but planning for the eventuality of something happening on that line, going and getting Don Terry Poe, drafting Mm -hmm. Neville Gallimore, you know, ever getting out Everson Griffin, Alden Smith back in the league. Um, They, they look deeper than they were. Mm -hmm. Obviously, losing Gerald McCoy. It stinks for them. And, it's going to be a problem, but they're deep. So maybe not hitting the panic button if you're the Cowboys or a Cowboys fan just yet, but yeah, it, it it's not good.
0: The biggest thing to me, though, is with Alden Smith, one, I'm worried about the guy's mental state. The guy clearly has had issues his entire career about keeping it on the field and keeping himself focused. You're right about the Don Terry post signing. It's a very underrated one because it happened at the back end of free agency. Nobody knew. Nobody really cared about it because – I started to grab my buddy the other day. We had the most crazy free agency of all time. We had a top corner in his prime go – like basically be shipped out of town to Philadelphia, Slay. We had the GOAT go from New England to Tampa Bay. We had Gronk follow him. We had we had Todd Gurley, one of the top running backs in the like two years ago, being cut and shipped down to Atlanta. It was the wildest offseason of all time, and Dossary Pose is a solid player by all means. One of the best run stuffers in Kansas City's defense – back in the early days of Andy Reid. And I mean, he's not like, he's not a Fletcher Cox. He's not a hard grave, He's not um, Aaron Donald or Colin Jenkins or any of these guys or, you know, Geno Atkins, any of these guys, I, I went back with Colin Jenkins just now, but any of these guys who are, you know, the dominant run stuffers and defense tackling, but Don Terry Poe is a solid, I would say a B to B minus level rated tackle. And yes, you're right. But the thing is, Jared McCoy is a step above these guys. He even at his older age, was still a premier defensive tackle. And that's what really kind of – I wouldn't say I'm a little more sane right now for Miles Sanders and Corey Clements' health this year. But now I know that I don't have McCoy screaming up the middle of the the line. I think Dallas is going – I think Dallas Dallas is going to be in for a weird year. And, Joey, you'll probably see this when we do a Corner Booth football special, which will be in two weeks, actually, right before me and uh, Kevin go on our vacations. But – I have a very weird feeling about Dallas this year that it's going to start off red hot like it did last year, but this time the explosion is going to be a lot worse because there's a whole – there's a whole a team that scared the daylights out of me if I'm a Dallas fan. Yeah, but I, so
1: to me the the concern is – I just I – get, I get the McCoy being out, but I, when I look at Demarcus Lawrence, Antoine Woods, Don Terry Poe, and Everson Griffin as my front four – it's a it, solid front it doesn't, four. It doesn't freak me out. What freaks me out is... They're secondary? <laughs> no. I don't actually look on the other side of the ball. I just don't know if I trust... They're all. I don't trust them to put together 16 games. I don't trust Dak Prescott to put together 16 games. I don't trust Zeke to, to play, 16 games, as play good as, 16 games. Play hard 16 games. Play hard 16 games. Amari Cooper's been great since he's been with them, but how long is that going to last...
0: Uh, I love Brady's kryptonite.
1: I I do love C.D. Lamb. Um, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I I just don't I don't know. I I I'm just waiting for that offense to put to put together a full season before I'm not worried about the Cowboys going into a year. So yeah, I'm with you. I I could see exactly what you're saying. They're going to come out hot. They're going to come out hot. But I could definitely see the implosion happening.
0: The biggest thing for me that scares me is that if I was a Cowboys fan, I, my, one of my best friends, shout out to my boy Nick, who listens to the show all the time. He is a big Cowboys fan. His whole family is – I swear to God, it's like walking into hell, watching them all wear their navy and their white on Sundays. It's terrifying. You're around the line with Dak Prescott. I watched him take on Carson Wentz in a squad of lawn chairs and tackling dummies mm-hmm. as receivers, and Carson outdueled him. I watched – Sidney Jones locked down Michael Gallup on the last drive. And I watched Amari Cooper walk off the field on the most important play of their season. And now you bring in Darius Slay, who has basically been Amari Cooper's kryptonite most of his career. Don't believe me? There are clips dedicated to how much he locks him down when Detroit plays Dallas. And the thing is with me with Dallas is that I'm worried. Can Dak really spread the ball between Gallup, who's developing as a great number two 1A 2 a, a receiver. Mark Cooper is a bona fide one, no question, but he has a problem against top-flight corners. And then you have CeeDee Lamb, who is used to getting the ball 12 to 18 times a game from Oklahoma. It's going to be a lot of spreading. I mean, they don't have a tight end. so not going to worry about those eight or nine catches every game. No, you, you, you're not on the Blake Jarwin train? Are you kidding me? I'd rather take Josh Perkins, our third stringer, over him. All right, but the thing is, like, I look at Zeke, and Zeke – and they've said this even – um, what's his name? Uh, Greg, Greg Cosell, who who's a film guy who comes on Coward Show all the time, said the same thing. Peter King I've heard say the same thing as well. It's about his burst. You don't see it off the block anymore. When he hits the gas, you see guys who shouldn't even be catching him scooping his ankles, and he's done. And it's – and I worry about if Zeke's got the motivation – And the biggest thing came out of college for me when Zeke came out was I was worried about his uh, maturity. When I was a junior in college, I said to myself, while I was doing my live show at Southern Connecticut State, I said the biggest worry about Zeke was his effort. The guy's a freak of nature. No running back who's that big should run that fast and be able to block and catch. The problem is he's not worked on his craft receiving, and he's not been able to transition well to staying in shape. You saw – the season – and the thing is with Dak, you saw, once you take Zeke out of the lineup, the fear of Zeke, the Cowboys were awful in 2017. And then you throw in the fact that in 2018 they were gift-wrapped the division,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they still got smacked out in the second round. Yeah. And then you throw in last year. They – Philadelphia was dead in the water. They just lost to Miami. Dallas has to win one game. One game, and they're basically two up, and there's no way they're, get, they're that they're losing that division, and they end up not even make the playoffs. So, like I said before, you hit around right on the head. You basically smacked my point home. There's a lot of problems in Big D, and Mike McCarthy's a great head coach, but there's a reason he got fired, and I, we're going to see it quickly. There's a reason he didn't call Dak Prescott for three days after he was hired. There's a reason Andy Dalton was brought
1: in. I was just – so I was going to pose this to you because I, I – look. I've seen crazier things happen. Um, Mm -hmm. What are the chances that let's say they don't start as hot as we think. Let's say Mm -hmm. by week. They have a light uh, schedule in the game, though. That's the one thing I'm worried about. Let's say like by week 12, they're six and six. Yeah. What are the chances? And for the listener, you can't see this, but I'm making air quotes Mm -hmm. that at some point, if Dak struggles at any point, like really bad that he hasn't. Injury, and we see Andy Dalton as the ca- the quarterback for the Cowboys.
0: I would say it's about the injury is about thirty percent. I would take it a step further. If Dak is struggling to beat good teams because Dallas's schedule is odd the way it's set up, and it's it's like the NFL is like, hey, they you never notice how Philadelphia never played in the last six years has never played Dallas before, like week. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for that. They want the Cowboys to start hot. They want the Eagles to start hot. So when they clash, it's the best rivalry in football. And I will take that to the bank. Eagles, Cowboys, the two fan bases hate each other. Don't believe me. I've almost fought a Cowboys fan at the bar for looking at me funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not a very violent guy at all, but you know, he caught me at the wrong time after the Eagles bullied the Cam Newton a couple years ago. And it's, it's something different. And with this, there's something about how I I'm worried that if I'm like the thing about Dak Prescott is, and this is why sometimes I get on the local the the big stream media like the like I, there are a couple of his apologists. You know, you got the the Joy Taylor's, the Skip Baylesses, who like will come to Dak's defense all the time. And I, and I love watching film, Joe. It's like my favorite thing to do when I'm home alone. I, my buddies will come over with me and actually have me watch film with them with a couple beers. And one time my buddy Jeff was asking me about Dak Prescott. And I said, listen, the issue is with Dak, it's not the fact that he can't deliver the ball to the right spots in the field. It's the f- it's the problem is he sometimes will make the wrong read or he'll underestimate the athleticism of cornerback. Or in big moments, he'll kind of lock into a receiver and yeet it as hard as he can at them and see if it gets in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the problem is Dak's deep ball accuracy has never been up to a Wentz or even, not even close to Patrick Mahomes standard. And I think that will hurt him. He throws an okay deep ball. But the issue is he's never been that elite thrower over the ball down the field. And I think it's going to hurt them when, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm the Eagles. All right, we're going to put Kayvon Wallace and all of our linebackers in the box. Just have Rodney McLeod play center field with Slay locking up uh, Cooper. That's it. And, and, oh, crap, we can't run the ball. We, we don't really have any offense for CeeDee Lamb going downfield. Oh, Gallup is just kind of sitting by himself with Jones with a safety over the top. We got nowhere to go with the ball. So, mm-hmm. and that's what happened last year towards the end of the season for Philadelphia. just packed the box and Dallas looked lost. That may be just Jason Garrett's play calling. We're going to find out this year.
1: Yeah. But definitely.
0: if I'm Dallas, I really, really need to hope that Zeke gets off to a fast start and Dak can kind of just kind of saddle up and ride him, r- ride Zeke's like
1: monster season to the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, i Dar- get him a contract. That's what they're going to need. Cause oh, yeah. Dak- if Dak hasn't proved yet that he can be the guy that that does it. So
0: Unless you skip Bales or Joy Taylor.
1: Right. <laughs> uh, speaking of Dallas,
0: Dak, one of Des, Dak's old targets, Des Bryant's in the news. Apparently working out for the Ravens this week. And, Joey, I have a weird take on this. I love this.
1: Oh, we're going to – we are – we are we couldn't be further on further pages. There's
0: um, three reasons why I love this. There is one issue I have with the Ravens receiving quarters. They're all short guys, they're all small. Lamar Jackson is a developing quarterback still. I don't care if he won the MVP last year. His running won him the MVP. If he just threw the ball from the pocket, if you axed his running stats to a third and you just kept his passing stats, maybe add an interception or two for not being able to just keep defense on the toes for running, he would be in a middle of the road quarterback. Lamar Jackson's running is what makes him an MVP. He had a lot of good throws downfield, but the thing is, is that. His running a lot makes defenses kind of pack the box a little bit, which you saw in Buffalo when they put Milano and Edmonds literally off the edges to keep him in the pocket. I love this Dez move because Dez has been waiting two years to get back on the field. They're not asking to be a number one receiver. That's Marquise Brown. That Hollywood can fly. I saw it and the dude looks yoked as hell. He got himself in shape. For me, Dez is going to be two things. One, he's going to occupy one receiver and sometimes, if it's a, I mean, will occupy one cornerback, and if he can get a position, 6'2", still runs pretty quickly, and he's a big target. And Des runs three routes well, a fade, a slant, and a go. Honestly, for a guy like Lamar Jackson still trying to get the quarterback room down, it may not be the worst thing about a veteran receiver like Dez, who only needs to make three or four big catches a game. He could almost be like a poor man's Alshon Jeffrey, where you don't need him to make the ridiculous route. That's going to break three guys' ankles. You just need him to be big, box out and catch a ball when Mark Andrews is not open. So I, I like the move. I'm not throw, I'm not saying throw him ten million dollars, but if you can get him for about four and a half five, get him back on the field, I would say do it because they're already looking at a great offense. They're going to probably go fourteen and two. That's my prediction for them. They're probably going to like take a game off at the end of the season and they're probably going to lose one BS game on a fumble or an interception. It's going to make no sense. Or they're Thursday, or like you know, like a random Thursday night where like it makes no sense why they lost. But I think this helps Lamar Jackson because at the end of the day, the guy struggles with throwing the ball to the numbers. We've seen it all. We saw all season last year. I saw one throw of his. It was a ball to Hollywood Brown, which should have been picked, but he dropped it just over the shoulder. It was. If I'm a quarterback coach, I'm like, all right, that's progress. Still not great, but I'll take it. And the issue is with Jackson is as a guy, I play quarterback in like flag leagues. I've watched so much film. I played, I watched some film for so long. The thing about Jackson to me is he can never get the ball outside the numbers. That's where Des is at his best. I think this will help his development more. I, I could see the other side of the spectrum where you're like, oh, he's a distraction locker room. Oh, he's lost a step. I don't need him to be the burner. I need him to be a big body. So
1: I'll let you hear. I want to hear your point though, because I feel like I, I may have got missed something there. Well, no, I, I look, I don't disagree with anything you said about Lamar Jackson. And I and I wholeheartedly agree that Des or no Des, they're going to go 14 and two or somewhere 13, three, whatever, somewhere in that range. They're going to be really good again this year. The defense got better. That's what's scary. And, and because of that, I don't see a reason to take a flyer on a guy who hasn't played in two or three years who hasn't been the same since he tore his Achilles. And it's that's not like tearing your ACL. That's not like, uh, which is so easy to come back from now for, for athletes. Achilles is the one injury still that they really haven't figured out how to get guys back 100% in any sport. It just changes your career. And we don't know what Dez is. I mean, we know they, what he looks like in a workout, but if we're just going to go off of what a guy looks like in a workout and we want a tall receiver, give me Terrell Owens because that dude looks fast. He, right? beat, he beat Tyree Hill in a 40. So like, that's, that's what I'm saying. But I, I just think they're building something seemingly something really special there. Mm-hmm. And the reason I don't like it is because I don't think you need to force a guy into a situation like that that has the potential now I, he look, he might come in and be the greatest leader and he might be great for the locker room and all that stuff. I don't I'm not as concerned about the locker room thing. I'm just more concerned with the fit. Um, and I, I do think that there is a scenario where even if he gets paid the minimum and he goes two games without getting a, a target or a catch, he gets into Amadez Bryant mode and there becomes an issue where there doesn't need to be. And I think ultimately, if they signed him right now, mm-hmm. I think he wouldn't make their regular season roster. I think they would bring him in, they'd give him a shot. He's probably not good enough anymore, and they probably they probably cut him. Which I guess in, in that case, why yeah, not?
0: Yeah, why, why not take a shot, right? Because on the one in fifteen chance, he still is a even eighty percent of what he was, even when he was at the Saints before he blew his Achilles out in practice horrible situation but
1: but i feel like there's got to be others and i don't know off the top of my head, but i feel like there's got to be other receivers who were in the nfl last year who are obviously were never as good as des bryant but are probably better than him at the moment that you could go out if you want to just you know improve and get more depth in your receiving court they may not be that tall threat that lamar jackson needs but instead of like taking a flyer on a guy who was once that guy mm-hmm. just it doesn't seem to work out, particularly in the NFL.
0: I mean, it, it was okay. It worked out okay for the Niners with Randy Moss. I mean, he wasn't like the great, like Randy Moss, but he was only like. He still was an okay slot receiver for Kaepernick. I mean, I would say for just the hell of it, Lamar's proven he's a mature leader. I mean, last season, just shows up jacked as hell. His old t shirt motto is basically taking a shot at Baker Mayfield saying, nobody cares, keep working. Mm-hmm. It's. He's kind of proving to me he can deal with a guy who's noisy. Hollywood Brown's got enough crap around him being Antonio Brown's cousin that I would just say, like, you know what? Maybe just throw this guy a flyer because on the off chance that Des Bryant only needs to make three big catches all year, one of them was a backdoor fade to beat the Chiefs in the AFC title game, I would take that flyer. I don't care if he occupies $5 million, maybe yells at Lamar one game, because if it gives me a shot to take on, like, either San Fran, Philly – or um, Tampa Bay in the, in the Super Bowl, if I'm Baltimore, I would take that without question. Because you know what? Des is good for three things, and one of them is the red
1: zone. And that's one place. You can't always just run the ball. Yeah. So. I, I don't disagree with anything that you're saying about the Ravens and what they need. I just typically, in sports in general, I don't like – seeing these guys that are just trying to keep hanging on and keep getting these chances and, and going out poorly. And I don't see him. I don't see Des at this point after so much time out after a devastating injury coming back and it ending. Well, I just don't, sure. I'd rather just, I'd rather, I'd rather the Ravens just keep doing what they're doing. Keep building what they're building. Cause look, they have, One receiver who's big time. They have two really good tight ends. Mm -hmm. They have a great running back, two great running backs with Lamar Jackson. And I mean, they're three if you count J.K. Dobbins. So sure. There you go. I mean, then wait, there's is there. I mean, I guess in football more so than other sports, they're waiting is probably not necessarily an option because you just really never know what could happen
0: yeah it's a week to week game you basically are, are it's sixty minutes determines your entire week right there so yeah,
1: so in that sense, I could see you want to go out and and get it done right away because you know the the shelf life of any team is is probably small but yes. this this one is just I don't know that you mentioned a b just go get a b maybe a b turns his life around because he wants to be a mentor to Hollywood
0: uh, I don't know if i was if I was anybody associated with. The Ravens, I'd say, keep your damn crazy cousin away from this roster. But, all right, so, oh, I I don't know. I mean, like, I know John John Harbaugh is one of the most reasonably level-headed coaches in the league, and I think this will actually be a smart thing not to sign AB. But, all right, Joey. So, folks, you know the NFL season's coming, and we play the one-sentence game in in the NFL. But I figure today off the, off the cuff here me and Joe will do a one sentence game per NBA matchup Joe you've watched a ton of basketball the last two days I've caught highlights I've watched clips I've watched certain snippets of games so we're gonna go game by game before we do like takeaways from the last two days and we're gonna we're gonna give our one sentence about the game we each game by game so we'll start off I'll go first Utah Denver Jamal Murray's who I thought he was and I don't trust Utah's depth
1: okay so now I go and get now, my... That's
0: your sentence, yes. Now you go.
1: Denver is the team to watch in the West. Okay. If they keep giving the ball to Michael Porter Jr. and letting him develop.
0: I am a big fan of his.
1: That, I love Michael Porter Jr. Early in that game... Now look, that wasn't the story of the game at all. Yes. So I, I But... It was one of my big takeaways from that game because some of those shots he hit in the first half when he was rolling, there's yeah. nobody – there's not – Doris Burke said on the – she compared him to KD a little bit, which was a little bit absurd. But yeah. listen, man, there are – outside of KD, there's not a lot of 6'10", 6'11", guys who can pull up on the break the way Michael Porter Jr. did, and that's the thing that Denver's always been I mean, missing.
0: It's a pure-looking jump shot,
1: too. It's clean. Yeah. That's what that – I remember when he was coming out of college – That was the
0: biggest thing I remember. I was like, I always wonder where he went for a year and a half, two years. And you see him popping. now. I saw Coward talking about him yesterday. And the biggest thing is with me is with Michael Porter Jr. If I want a guy like KD, one thing about KD's game I've always loved is how smooth it is. There's Mm -hmm. no jerks or hitches to it. It's just clean motion. And that's what I see with Michael Porter Jr. It's a beautiful team i denver has really been i almost picked utah because i love spider mitchell but when you've got so much depth god get god get donovan out of utah to save the guy's career come on at least send him up north to minnesota
1: yeah and i said i said yesterday on 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 the deuce that uh that that game 57 the third highest scoring playoff game in nba history and then you lose by 10 that's the kind of game that you lose your franchise player I mean that's the that's the type, yeah, of, that's the type of game where Donovan Mitchell looks around and goes, I mean, what else can I do? This isn't the place. And the
0: problem is Utah has never had a history going back to Malone Stockton of getting the free agents they needed. Yeah. They're the guys who let the guys go.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you got to. Well, those small market small market teams. It's just look. I worked for two small market teams when I worked in the league. That's just how it is. You know, we when I worked for the Grizzlies, they considered really paying Rudy Gay a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money, which they they paid him, but not what they considered. Mm-hmm. And I, the GM at the time said to me, it's like, who else are we going to get? I mean, free agents aren't coming here. They're just not. Memphis is
0: a weird city. Yeah. It's it's the second city of Tennessee, which is just kind of depressing. Yeah. But All right. So we're going to go to Nets Raptors. The series I'm really not going to watch – it is going as expected. That's my sentence. Yeah. Um yeah. Red Van Fleet, my boy.
1: Yeah. 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 Um The Nets are the worst seven seed in NBA history.
0: Yes. Well the problem is the two best players aren't even playing.
1: Three four four best players. Oh yeah, that's right. Who, Spencer Dinwiddie and DeAndre Jordan are both mm-hmm. out too. Yeah, and they're and Torian Prince, who was a starter for them. I mean, they're just the guy they're rolling guys out that I've never heard of. And I watch a lot of basketball and I scouted. And I mean, I, I have I know this game, and there's guys oh. that I'm like, who who is that? I just don't know.
0: Can we look at – can the one thing crazy about this game is I'm reading the box score because I did not even touch this game. I, I was on while I was working out yesterday. I didn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. I'm like, you know what? It's not worth my time. I know it's going to happen. The Raptors are one of the best coached teams in basketball by a freaking mile. Mm-hmm. Nick Nurse is just a, a mile ahead of everyone else. But let's look at this box score here. Siakam, 18. A guy whose name I can't even pronounce. I think it's Unawambe.
1: Oh, 12. OG, OG Ananobi.
0: Ananobi, yeah, Okay. Marcus all 13, Lowry 16, Fred VanVleet my boy 30. 30. 22 out of Baca. Rodney House Jefferson 6 points. It's the most balanced it's it's only
1: well, they, seven they, guys seven, who scored, seven guys. Oh, it, yeah.
0: and Davis who had 11. Only eight guys scored, but it's such a balanced box score. I'm like that's team basketball. That's oh, yeah. dangerous.
1: Yeah, they're deep. The the thing with with the Raptors to me is uh Pascal Siakam is going to have to establish himself as the as a top-tier go-to guy because depth doesn't win you titles. Uh, depth will accentuate the stars that win you titles. And you, you don't see teams win NBA championships without, I mean, let's be honest, first ballot Hall of Fame-type talent on their roster, at least one or two guys. Um, I don't think the Raptors have that at the moment. But I will say, this is the first year in, in maybe ever since I've been watching the NBA that I just don't know. I don't know what's gonna. I have no idea. So, th- look, may, are the could the Raptors be the O two Pistons and be you'd be that deep team with a that has a bunch of All Stars and borderline Hall of Famers that are great and just well coached and and just get it done? Sure, they, they really could be. I mean, if, yes. if any team, if it's gonna be any team, it's this team. That's
0: what I thought. I thought O four Pistons because I mean, yeah, you had Rip Hamilton, but like besides that, you had Mister Big Shot, who's like you know, he as much as Chauncey had this great reputation, he wasn't like a top two or three point guard. He was he was top ten. He was good, but he's he, he was never really anything more than a two on any team he played on. You had Ben Wallace. You'd Sheets a two or three, but it was a bunch of twos and threes. But Larry Brown coached that team so well, and they played such good defense. They shut everyone down.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and their bench was re- they had Meme Okor, the mm-hmm. Hunter, uh, I think Mike James actually was on that team possibly. I think he was played some valuable minutes for them. They had a, I mean, they had they just wore deep uh, with vets with guys who knew how to win. That Rashid Wallace trade, all, Joe Dumars for all the crap he got later in his career there, pulling off that Rashid Wallace trade halfway through the season, won them a championship uh, and salvaged them drafting Darko. I mean. You, you, in so, yeah, everything came together for that team. And, and it's kind of similar to what we saw, w- you know, with um, Masai Ujiri in Toronto. I mean, last year he went out, he went midway through the season and got Marcus All, And obviously Kawhi, they had Kawhi. But, you know, I don't know if they win a championship without making all the moves that they made. I think they needed every move that they made to win a championship. Also, they needed... Kevin Durant to tear his, a- tear his Achilles and Klay Thompson to tear his ACL that helped them too, but as
0: much as I never for injuries, I mean that was I think was the will of the basketball gods they did throw in the 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 Warriors yeah that, that just seemed it seemed too perfect for the Raptors to win so I I, I you know there's always that one team every couple of years who kind of just resets the league when they win a title like with baseball it was the Royals in 15. It was, um, you know, it's the, it was the Raptors last year. In the NFL, it was the Seahawks. It was kind of like this team that kind of restart the league a little bit. And I think now you really kind of get the gist of, okay, the league isn't really, it's not dynasty-centric anymore. It's all duos now, which I think is kind of a new trend. That I kind of like it more, even though the ratings are down. But I think also the ratings are down for multiple reasons. But yeah, next That's- game. Oh, yeah, totally. Next game boston philadelphia jason tatum is a top 10 player and jalen brown's a damn good number two and god the sixers are
1: bad yeah well um I mean,
0: I'm, I'm not knocking the lack of simmons but it's uh, like uh, don't, don't I, i've here. never been a simmons uh, fan to begin with
1: yeah that's an interesting one because alex my co-host is from he lives in philly and he's a diehard philly fan we we sort of go back and forth on that a lot. I am actually am a Simmons guy, and he is not. He hates Ben Simmons. Um, Let me see. My one sentence for Boston-Philly. Um, watch out for Boston to come out of the East. After what, after
0: what we're going to talk about, what happened at 1 o'clock today? Yeah, I would second that. Um, I love Jason Tatum's game. He scared me when he was at Duke. I'm a Heels fan for basketball only and I watched that kid play, I was like, he's going to be a problem in the league. Mm. And now that he's such a – he – I always thought Wiggins was going to be the new Tracy McGrady. I think it's Jason Tatum, that wing scorer who's long, who can play defense, who can hit shots, but can also just yam it in your face. I love Tatum's game.
1: Now, there's a caveat to that sentence, which is I should have said Semicolon if Gordon Hayward comes back healthy. Yeah, because four weeks. He's out, for, he's out for four weeks, which he's not, like, the key to that team, but they're already not the deepest team. Yeah, I mean, like, their bench scored a total of eight
0: points right. last, last game.
1: Yeah, and so part of why, to me, they were so tough is because they had four guys who could go out and get you buckets every night, and they could play – they played Tatum at the four, and they switch everything, and their defense is just so tough. When they go, I mean, now Marcus Smart will play more, mm-hmm. to Hayward, and and their defense will be even better. But that just hurts their bench depth. So, but you know, four weeks, I I think they're still going to be the Sixers. Um, yeah. And who? I mean, four weeks. I don't even with the way they, they play, are. The, what,
0: what, I, what is Boston? Boston's the what seed?
1: Boston is three.
0: Three. Boston's three seed. Uh, they'll probably play, I don't know. They'll probably get the back end of whichever. They'll probably get who the force, the four five. What was that? Is that, they'll probably get Miami. Yeah.
1: They'll probably get Miami, if I'm really being honest with you. Yeah. Miami's getting that.
0: Yeah. Miami's getting that. So, I mean, you, you were just on your buddy's show today talking about it. I mean, I, I look at that. We'll talk about that in five minutes, but I think, I think Boston will survive without Hayward into the Miami series. I think it's once they get past a Miami, they're going to need him badly to take on a certain team that lost to Orlando. So that's, that's the game we're talking about in about 30 seconds. One last one, Dallas, L.A. <clears throat> that was a choke job. Yikes. Because I'd have – I saw the game. Dallas was up a lot, and I was like, what's happening <laughs> I, I, I'm like, is the bubble really doing this to teams? And then I I, re- I watched the last five minutes. I'm like, oh, that's the Clippers I know and love. All right. They're, they're, this, so that's that's my sentence and a half, I guess. I,
1: I – my sentence is I completely underestimated how competitive Dallas would be in this series because – well, that's period. And I'll, the reason being the Clippers – I just – the Clippers I thought – just have too much for Dallas. Dallas comes in without Dwight Powell, without Jalen Brunson. Um, you know what Luka's going to do, and you know what, what Christoph Porzingis is going to do on a nightly basis. I just didn't think it would be enough to compete with the Clippers, and I thought the Clippers were coming out to prove that to everybody, that they are that team. Man. Obviously, once the Porzingis—I know we're going to get into that. but once 20 Porzingis,
0: minutes into the game, man. it's not good.
1: Yeah. I mean, once Porzingis goes out, it, they're just a different team because they're already not that deep. But wow, Luka Doncic is just such a special basketball player. Um, the game is so slow to him. right? Everything. And I don't mean he's slow. I just mean he sees everything so slowly. He, he doesn't make any wrong decision. I know he turned the ball over a lot, but that was he had five turnovers in the first five minutes of the game. Yeah, you have to take that into account. It was his first playoff game ever against one of the best defensive teams in the league, and maybe ever. Just with their I'm, line-
0: I'm looking at this lineup, and I'm just I'm blown away. Let's we really want to go to this line quick. Um, the forwards are Leonard and Marcus Morris. Then you go Zubac at center. Then you have Beverly and George at your guards. What are you going? Where are you scoring? Right, like <laughs>
1: like I don't blame and, him for turning the ball over. And then you're coming off the bench with Montrez Harrell. And Lou Williams. I mean, and you even have Jeff Green, who's a grizzled vet at this point. Like, what's well, Michael? The, Jeff's on the horn. Are Jeff's on the Jeff's playing right now. He's on the Rockets. He just took okay, a. Okay,
0: well, who's Jay Green
1: on the? I'm. I'm like I messed up on right, that one. Jermichael, Jermichael Green. Jermichael Green. Okay. Who actually is better than Jeff at this point?
0: Yeah, uh, I, I like would say it. so because Jeff Green's been around since the Kevin Garnett Celtics, which is just
1: right. Yeah. Um, but, but you really only go eight deep in the playoffs anyway, so you don't have to be super deep. So they're seven deep with really with a really strong roster, yeah. but um man Dallas they just th- Rick Carlisle is probably one of the more underrated coaches in the league because he just he gets it done his rosters co- constantly change, and he always makes the playoffs, and he's always wins um and they just have been next man up, no matter what's happened and plugging these guys in Tim Hardaway jr's been up. Uh, a great throw-in piece in that Porzingis trade for them. Uh, And they picked up Trey Burke to replace Jalen Brunson. He's been good for them off the bench. I thought this would be, no doubt, 4-1 or a sweep. I'm willing to give Dallas two games.
0: That's what (laughs) I said in the beginning. I only thought just because of the the talent of Luka, it was going to be a game or two where he just stole the show and got a lucky shot off. And we know... Last year, Kawhi and the Raptors lost to the Magic in the first round. The like, last couple games of the Magic in the first round. We know the first round of the playoffs, Kawhi is never on his game. Yep. Yeah. He's the best. He's, in my opinion, since is out, he is the best player in the game right now on the floor. I would take him over LeBron or Giannis because I know Kawhi can lock both of them down. Mm-hmm. I cannot say the same for the other two. But moving on to today, because all we got left is... Trailblazers Lakers right now, current updated score. The Rockets are up one oh six to eighty seven. But we'll do these last two games quick. Magic Bucks. I wanted to hear your sentence, so you go first, because I, I, I'm still like so confused about this game right now. It just made no sense when I looked at the score.
1: The Bucks are going to severely regret letting Malcolm Brogdon leave. Yes. They're the they're they're the third oldest team in the NBA. And I'm really concerned. They're three and nine right now in the bubble. I really think that the layoff messed them so, up. Really?
0: So they they're like that one. T- do you think though? This before I do my sentence, do you think if they're if they're knocked out first or second round? Do you think they're
1: not? That, no, they're going to win four in a row. They're going to they're, they're going to win this series four one. They, they,
0: okay. Do you think they're knocking out in the second? They need to get knocked out in like the second or third round. Do you think? Do you think Giannis is like what the hell am I doing here?
1: Um, he's got to, he's got to be thinking that at some point, at some, on some level. And I still think they're going to go to the, to the conference finals, but then they're going to have to play, um, either the Raptors or the Celtics. And then it gets real because those teams are young and deep and talented. I mean, I'm looking at this, like
0: Clark, (laughs) Clark, Enos, Vujicic. Markel Fultz, Evan Fournier, who I completely forgot was still in the damn league. DJ Augustine, like, they're pulling names out of hats, and they're Terrence Ross. Dude, like Evan Fournier,
1: Evan Fournier is the second leading scorer on the Magic, and he didn't score until, I want to say, four minutes in the fourth quarter. It was, I mean, Bu- <laughs> I mean, Vucevic had one of the best games of his career, but Oh, but their defense was unbelievable. And here's what all. And, and here's the thing. I my last two years working in the NBA, I was on Steve Clifford's staff as video scout. I can tell you this. There is no team in the league that will be more prepared for a game, for one single game, than a team coached by Steve Clifford. Nobody works as hard. No one watches more film no one's more prepared and no one puts their players in a position where they feel like they can win any game. So them winning a game in this series and even winning game one, it's shocking because of the way they did it. But it's not shocking that a Steve Clifford team won a game against a great team. Now on the other side, you have Mike Budenholzer and you have a great team. They're going to adjust and probably win four in a row. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying Steve Clifford has this ability. He did it with us when we were in Charlotte we made the playoffs his first year with a not very good team. I mean, mm-hmm. we had Kembo in his second year in the league and Al Jefferson, and that was pretty And then a bunch of role players. That's not a good team. No, that's uh,
0: like barely even scraping the East.
1: Right. And he, and he changed everything because of how hard he watches every piece of tape. He, he just knows every single team inside and out every 10. He just knows it all. He's, he's such, so, he's so prepared. Like almost maniacally, so that you see it in the way they defended one of the best offenses in the league today. Uh, So, you know, the defense is what I give it to. They really, Giannis scored one point in the last 10 minutes of the game. Um, But with all that being said, they are just not talented. You know they just don't really have much going on on that roster. They have a bunch of good role players, so they're going to lose probably four one. Maybe I, I guess they could steal another game, but I I don't see it. I think they're, I think the Bucs got the kick in the ass that they probably needed, and now, they, you know, they run over them.
0: See the thing is the Bucs is you have Giannis, top three player, and then you have a bunch of threes and fours, and I mean, it it that I can see why they win games. I see why they dominate. I, I really do. Middleton, Lopez, Bledsoe, Wesley Matthews. You know, you get Williams off the bench. Grant, um, George Hill. It's it's not a horribly built team. It's just there's no number two, and I think this well, is the issue right yeah, now. First, Middleton. But dude, come on, that's like that's like a that's like Kmart okay. shoppers' blue special, like
1: number yep, two. He, he went in. He, I mean, he's he he was in the All Star game. I mean, my issue, and I'll bring back the Brogdon thing. Eric Bledsoe stunk in the playoffs last year, and he mm-hmm. didn't play very good today. I mean, five is just atrocious. My, my, Malcolm Brogdon was a 50-40-90 guy. He's like the prototypical point guard in the league, especially on a Giannis team. And he's young. The, he's the guy that him, Giannis, and Middleton, to me, is an unstoppable three man three-man combination in the East. Losing him and banking on Eric Bledsoe being your third most productive player—it's just not getting it done.
0: I mean, his backup only played one less minute than him. That should tell you something, right?
1: Well, there. George Hill in the playoffs last year, George Hill was substantially better than Eric Bledsoe.
0: I'm a big George Hill fan. You don't have to prove anything to me about him, but I'm like, big it's for a long time he's been—he's been—he's been the sta- the standard of a solid point guard for a very, very long time. Yeah, he's like what I wish we got out of Jeff Teague when he came up to Minnesota. It's just. You know, we don't always get the good point guard we want. Heat Pacers my sense is simply Butler and the boys get it done. They're just a better team. There's no question. Period.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I feel terrible for the Pacers. I don't think they can catch a break. I, I and I agree with you, the Heat are the better team, but I'm gonna tell you this before the season I I told a lot of people this. I said if Vic comes back with 30 games – if he gets healthy and he comes back with 30 games left, and he's healthy and he gets right, this team can win the East. But, again, Jeremy Lamb tears his ACL. Sabonis is out of the bubble. Vic gets hurt in the first quarter today, doesn't come back. Brogdon wasn't healthy the whole season. I mean, they just – it's one thing after another for this team. Brogdon, Oladipo – and T.J. Warren only played 11 games together this year. It uh, and th- that's a dangerous trio, but they just there's no continuity. So, yeah, this, this is definitely
0: a chemistry game. Above yeah, else, yeah,
1: yeah, it's going to be probably quick work for the Heat in this series, especially depending on how bad Depot's eye is.
0: I will put this to you next year. How optimistic are you the Pacers could be a down, a, a serious threat in the East? If
1: the, with not with a year of just getting these guys in, well, the it all depends today. on the It all depends on how he comes back. I mean, if he comes back like a semblance of what he was before his injury, I still think that. Yeah, I mean, and it, it, it obviously depending on what pieces get shifted around in the east and whatnot. But yeah, yeah, I mean, if they come back with a healthy starting five of Malcolm Brogdon, Victor Oladipo, TJ Warren, Demonis Sabonis and Miles Turner. Yeah, I mean, there's no dominant team in the East right now. the The Celtics, I'm sure, will go pick up a few guys to make themselves a little deeper. So there'll be a, a, a another year uh, in with the guy who is probably, to me, right now, Jason Tatum, the second best player in the East. Mm-hmm. Um, so he probably still Celtics are will be better. The Bucks, if you know, I mean, uh, I mean, the Bucks are probably by default just having Giannis or a, a little bit better. We'll see what happens with the Raptors, but them, those teams being better doesn't mean that, yeah, the Pacers can't be, a, can't compete. It just means like one through six next year. There's probably six teams going into next season if they're all healthy that have a legit shot in the East, and that, that, and then I throw Miami. Because I think that's Bam,
0: promising Bam, for a great playoffs, like a great playoffs.
1: Because I think Bam is an absolute superstar in this league. <laughs> and, you know, Philly, they got to figure some things out, but they still have talent. I mean, it's you not.
0: Know my favorite era of the NBA was post Kobe Shaq 3 Pete Lakers, pre Boston Big Three. And my biggest reason for that is I won. We should put it on a corner with sugar. I hate super teams. Mm -hmm. I hate them in the basketball. Football, I don't care because football, a pick six can change your entire season. It's the most momentum-driven game in the world. With basketball, a super team can overcome. Like right now, I'm currently checking the stats for Oklahoma City and Houston. And Oklahoma City went from being down 20 to being over. Uh, they're still down 15, but like you know, 4:30 left. That's still a winnable game. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I think this series is going. to – My one sentence on Oklahoma City, Houston is this series is going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. <laughs> they like, like I don't think Harden's going to be able to drop 30. What is he at right now? He's got to be, he's got to be over 35. Yeah, he's at 33 right now. It's 10 of 19, six of 12 from the from three, 11 boards. I, I don't see Harden doing that every night. And Westbrook's out to what? probably end of
1: the series no no no. he should be back but it's either he's he's probably gonna miss game two he could be back by game three i don't think he'll miss the whole series though yeah i'm I'm pretty sure he's not gonna miss the whole series i think it's gonna i I actually i thought this game would be closer to be honest i i (laughs) I thought the thunder be winning (laughs) um but interestingly you know houston's offense in the bubble has been atrocious Mm-hmm. So I was interested to see without Russ if they – they they so they – with Russ, they, be, they play at the highest pace in the NBA. He's totally changed the way they play this year. I was interested to see, which I think they've done more of today, is if they would go back to last year, which was totally pick and roll in ISO, and they were one of the slowest paces in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And right now, I mean, they have 115 – I mean, there's like six or seven minutes left and Harden's, you know, going off. So. And maybe just for this series, I don't know, maybe their offense is better without Russ, Russ,
0: the team that I the teams that I honestly think Russ would work with. I would love to see Russ work. Like I said, this last offseason when there was there was rumors about Russ going, getting traded. And my team, Minnesota, was actually a rumor team at one point. I was. So exactly, I love Russ. I love his just – the intensity, I love his speed. And I'm like, what's the one point guard who would work with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew, and Andrew Wiggins is a guy who literally just drives to the basket full speed and then, like, kicks out. I'm like, that's perfect for Towns and Wiggins or spot-up or drive guys. So mm. I, I just think – I think the Houston move was just wrong. I think the, the small ball
1: experiments failed. I I feel, I I feel like they totally turned everything around when they got rid of Capella. This team – you know the thing is, I I want to see them actually win a series with both
0: of them on the court though. That's the that's that's where I'll actually start. To those are over.
1: two di- those are two different things. The Russ experiment and the small ball experiment are different because they've got Russ while they're still playing normal they, basketball. Okay, and so I will I'll, ta- I'll retract my statement because I think
0: I uh, jumped the I jumped the gun a little bit on that. But I will say, I'm not still sold on the Russ Harden marriage. I think it worked, and you had a guy like KD who could drop 35 off the perimeter where they were just a dominant team in Oklahoma City. They they should have been – they should have probably – they had a shot at beating LeBron and the boys. But um, it's – to me, when I look at LeBron – I mean, all LeBron. I look at Harden Westbrook. I think A.R. Capella was fine. I think if they needed a big man, they needed like a mobile big man, like a guy who could run the floor, pull off, hit a three. Not, I'm not saying like a joker or a cat, but somebody who's kind of like that kind of prototype mm-hmm. where you can have him kick out and hit a 18-footer. And like you know, run the floor a little bit. I think it's the perfect thing for them. I'm worried when they have to play a dominant big man in a series. I mean, I was expecting more out of Stephen Adams. Clearly, I was wrong there. I mean, so, I mean, 17 and 12 is not a bad game.
1: Did you see? I mean, that when they played Philly the other day, I mean, Embiid couldn't do anything.
0: Well, that's a different setup because Embiid, Philly's a stop. Philly's a stop ball. They're not a runner team. they they never like they, they love to stop the ball and get the ball and be in the post. He's their point guy. He's their guy they run their whole offense through. Mm-hmm. Like, he's their finisher. And I, I just feel like for like for Hute, for Oklahoma City, it's perfect. When they take on a team that likes to stop and slow the ball down. But this is proving me wrong right now because the Rockets are still at 15, and they're playing at a slow pace without Westbrook. So yeah.
1: I, I want to see what happens with Westbrook. Like on, get, early in the game, they were just nailing – they were just draining everything. I feel it was, like that will put them in the uh, put them ahead. And also, I've seen Houston uh go to a zone on defense a uh, a few times and it seems like it's just it seems like it's just giving OKC fits. And and here's a, other, team. here's a really interesting thing about Houston. I I don't think people realize they've been good on defense with small ball. They people just assume that Houston's not a good I think it's because James Harden Mike D'Antoni, they just assume without looking at the numbers that Houston's not a good defensive team, Mm. they're not not a top five defensive team. But but, they're not awful. No, good. I mean, their defense in the bubble, particularly (laughs) since the restart, their defense has been better than their offense. It's not even close. Um, And part of it is because they switch all five positions. They can do this. They can play zone when they need to. They all – they're really disciplined. They reach with discipline, which meaning – you're not supposed to reach as much as they do, but they reach without fouling. They get strips and deflections, uh, and they're just really active and athletic. So I, I don't – they're not going I don't think they're going to go far, but I, I just – It's a speed kills kind of defense. I, lo- I would love to see Mike D'Antoni win big and just be able to say, I broke the NBA.
0: I mean, yeah, you basically have eliminated the big man. I am a fan of the big man. My favorite basketball player currently in the league is a big man. I
1: even the big uh, men are not like what you. you they're know. not
0: like what I grew up with. With like you know the back to the basket Shack guy, like you know like not uh, I don't like like the Polish Hammer Memento Core like like I, I, they they weren't like that. I mean right. like they're not Bill anymore.
1: Yeah, and totally. I mean like who's your 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 cats? Oh, your Gortat
0: is getting... a Polish Hammer.
1: Yeah, yeah. Who's your guy, Cat? Yeah, I mean, he's but look at Cat is an absolute knockdown three point shooter. He's mm-hmm. got guard skills. I mean, he's he's good. not your
0: prototypical five. That's what the, the right. I honestly, he's I honestly want to go to. He's,
1: I, he's stretch five, which is I want to see
0: Minnesota put him before and put Nas Reed in at center, and now you really have a matchup nightmare because now Nas Reed is a freak of nature. He's not the best shooter, but defensively, he's okay. a nightmare.
1: Yeah, if I'm Minnesota, I'm doing whatever. I'm, I'm experimenting with everything because yeah, I want
0: to see the Cat and D'Lo experiment work.
1: D'Lo is a guy who has so exceeded my expectations for him when he came into the league. It's unbelievable.
0: I saw you him – I, I, I mean in I that saw, draft, I, I was so pro-Towns and D'Lo and I was so – I was calling the downfall of Jaloka before. I said this
1: guy is not an NBA player. Well, below the rim big men, I mean particularly just – Big men that are po- only back-to-the-basket guys at this point are not very good in the league anyways, I, offensively. But then you add in that he's fat and couldn't jump or, or defend. Um, he was destined— Oh, and had,
0: horrible driving skills.
1: Yeah, I mean, they off <laughs> There was way too much on his uh, his back-to-the-basket skill in a league where back-to-the-basket really doesn't matter anymore. Yes, I was always high on Cat. I just—there was something about D'Lo— I saw him play a bunch in high school, and then I, I didn't really love him at Ohio State, even though he was really good. I just didn't think he was he, – he wasn't always a great – he wasn't always the shooter that he is now. Yeah. He was always more of a um, get-into-the-paint, mid-range, rim, slasher type. He's developed into a really, really good three-point shooter, which sort of took his game to the next level. So.
0: I also love how just ice he's an ice-cold assassin. I, I, I kind of love that about his game. He is no fear with shooting. Which yeah I, I kind of appreciate that
1: maybe it's because i interviewed him one time and he was kind of a dick to me but uh, <laughs> and
0: he does have that vibe a little bit though like he has that kind of like he's, he, he's well, like I,
1: i'll say this i interviewed him not that long after everything went down in la he was a really immature kid at that point he was, I, I, he, he was already out of la so it had to be at least
0: more than a year was that the, the that was the brooklyn time like the first year in brooklyn maybe
1: yeah. It's when he first got to Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think
0: yeah. Brooklyn changed the kid. I think it made him really mature. But,
1: but he was still very guarded, like throughout the like every question he you could tell any question you asked him, he thought that they were that you were trying to get him, like get him to say something, get him. to. So he could tell that you were like or he he assumed that you were just trying to get a headline out of him because of his past.
0: I kind of want to write a story about this, but with D'Lo, one thing I've noticed is he's come to Minnesota is, I'm, you know, everyone knows on the show I'm a huge Timberwolves fan. I've been a fan of the Wolves since Kevin Garnett, Latrell Sprewell, Sam Cassell, Terrell Brandon, Troy Hudson. Like, I can keep going. Olu Akandi. I'll throw in Zerbiak, too. It's Joe Smith. The thing is, like, I have never seen a guy like D'Lo, when he got off the plane, he just seems like he's an odd cat. Like, Cosme yeah. Towns is a, a, you know, life of the party, kind of goofy, big Eagles fan, best friends of the Mac Miller RIP. Like, he's a different kind of – he's a big – he's the star kind of dude. D'Lo, the vibe I get off him is a very guarded, very, like, kind of abstract kind of guy. And mm-hmm. I think that – but when he gets on the court, he's an ice-cold killer. The guy wants to step on your neck and just snuff you on the right. court. And yeah. that's what I love. And I mean, like with a guy like Towns, who wants to be Baby Garnett, and with Kevin Garnett possibly buying the team, please. Um, I can, I, a boy can dream, right? Uh like I, I love, I love D'Lo's game. And I mean, hopefully he brings some good luck in the lottery and we'll get mellow Ball or something. But I, um, I, he's just different, dude. I, I like the fact that he's odd. I like oddballs. Oddballs work in my work in my life.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it has a chance to it can't be any worse than what's what they've done to build around cat so far. So, yeah, I really like cat as a player and I hope they do well. Um, Is Ryan Saunders still the coach? Yes, I love Ryan Saunders. Yeah, I, I love how point. he like he's, After he's everything a- he's been through. It'd be nice to see him do well, too. I mean, I, I think that franchise has been through a lot. Um, even before Flip, they they went through a lot of bullshit. Um, with David Kahn and that whole situation.
0: He, God, he, don't get me started about that, or so he, Kirk,
1: or Kirk Rambis. Right, all that. So yeah, it would be cool to see them get back. You're to me PTSD right now, Joey. <laughs> uh, but it would be cool to see them get back to. They yeah. have they they have a guy who should be able to get them back to that type of level of basketball and cat. I think they just need. That they don't even need to get a Lamelo. They just need to get a third, a guy who can be a third. like I wouldn't mind seeing them get Obi Toppin.
0: Is that what's where's he out of? He's out.
1: He's Dayton. He's a six nine. He's wing. like a he's a stretch four, but he's he's an absolute freak. Um, he he shooting can, what's his shooting ability like? I didn't watch much Dayton this year. He can shoot. He's not like coming. He's not cat, but he's he's. I mean, not a lot of guys are. Yeah. Um, but he can shoot the ball. He's he's he needs to work on his iso game a little bit. He's a little one-dimensional. He he overpowered a lot of guys because he was just stronger and more athletic. Oh, he's the dude, he's the dude
0: who looks like an NFL defensive end, right? Yeah, yeah. That okay, I have seen some of his game before.
1: But I think he'd be really nice next to Cat because they could either one of them could play inside or outside at any time and they mm-hmm. both defend the rim. Um Obi can be the trail guy cat can run to the rim or vice versa um see i love minnesota's bench and i love their two main guys they just need the three
0: they need the young three that's the thing i think they need to be a sixth, seventh, seventh fourth seed in the west and be really kind of just a nightmare for teams yeah so this, they, the chemistry is there already with yeah, like this, elo showed up and was like all right i'm up all about this
1: this year's draft is weird perfect from the from the the little bit of tape I've watched breaking some guys down early, earlier in the year I don't know that there's like that franchise level wing player that you would want Anthony Edwards is probably the closest thing Where's he he's out of from Georgia
0: Oh okay yeah See the oh. thing is like then I know the guys what they look like I know their games I don't know the names I know I know Ball and I know uh Wiseman because of the whole Penny Hardaway scandal
1: but like yeah, if I was going to go with a big, I'd go Obi over James Wiseman. Not that Wiseman's going to be bad. I just I think Wiseman doesn't have enough meat on his bones yet. I don't think he's got enough t-
0: miles on the tires.
1: But a- Anthony Edwards should be really good. Uh, he should be a really good scorer, and he's super athletic. Um, he's probably your best wing option. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's a few other guys out there that I just don't know well enough.
0: Well, hey, listen, when we do the draft, you're coming back on, and we're going to make sure you, and, you you school me and Kevin on any, all things NBA drafts. So that's going to okay. be a definite. By that time, I'll be caught up for sure. Listen, so. when you want to do your NFL draft research, I'm your boy. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're going to get out of basketball now. Oh, actually, no, last thing. Opinions on the game that's starting in about 30 seconds. What is your opinion on Blazers, Lakers? What is your feel about the series?
1: Uh, I think Blazers will be tough. In game one, and it'll get progressively uglier as the as the series goes on for the Blazers. I think the, I think Lakers could sweep or win four one. Maybe Dame goes off and steals a really? game. Really? Okay. Okay. So I made a not ballsy bet. It's only a thirty dollar
0: ball on Knob Creek on the line. But I said to my coworker, who's a big basketball fan, I said, "Listen, I love Dame's game. They're a big perimeter shooting team. The one biggest knock that I've read all over is that LA cannot defend the three point." I will take the one in a million shot chance that it's a four, four three win series win for the Blazers, and I I, I, yeah. I know it's LeBron, I know it's LeBron, I know it's Anthony Davis, but there's just something weird about this series that just kind of gets me like, okay, this is not your usual eighth seed. These guys can ball. It's like
1: the Blazers are the the Blazers have maybe the worst defense in the NBA right oh, now. I,
0: I know, I know. It's gonna be uh, the it's gonna be a shootout.
1: Because yeah.
0: there's like the Lakers the, can't
1: Lakers, stop. The but, perimeter. but when the Lakers lock in, their defense is not bad. So and, they're, and. The Blazers, I mean, they don't have an answer for LeBron, but they definitely don't have an answer. They at least have wing players they can throw at LeBron. They have nothing for AD. True.
0: I mean, I do. They still even have the, the ghost formerly known as uh, Hassan
1: Whiteside. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you this. I actually think Hassan Whiteside's the reason that they're gonna get eliminated early and that they suck this year because Hassan Whiteside sucks. He's a loser. <laughs> he just is. I mean, he. <sighs> the Blazers made a lot of mistakes with their roster this year. I actually talked about it the other day on the pod. I'm a I'm, I fear that Terry Stotts is gonna get fired, and it's not his fault. They really so gutted. It's
0: definitely, it's definitely the GM's fault. It's a roster issue at that point.
1: Well, they they gutted their roster that went to the Western Conference Finals last year, and they're just not. They're, they're also
0: missing the best premier defender in Ariza. So,
1: right, and one of their better scorers and Rodney Hood. And but think about all the guys that were on the team last year. They got rid of Al Aminu, Mo Harkless, Evan Turner, Myers Leonard, and his Cantor and Seth Curry.
0: Yeah, I mean Seth is doing okay on the bench at Dallas, but they're not going much farther either. So, yep. All right, there, folks, we have not talked that much NBA since me and Kevin made the worst NBA bracket of all time last year. Kevin had the Celtics winning the whole thing.
1: Um, How much would the NBA love Celtics-Lakers, though? I mean, oh that, re- I think it's realistic.
0: It is realistic, but in that point, it's Celtics because, I'm sorry, Celtics, have, if they have Hayward, if everyone's healthy, coaching, Brad Stevens. Star top star LeBron over Jason Tatum, but it's closer than you'd think. No, nah. Tatum is yeah, not yet. It, number two star it's Davis over Brown, but everything after that is just solid Celtics green the whole way down the rock, the whole way down the checklist.
1: Yeah, the, the Lakers have uh experience, they have a lot of guys who've won championships. I probably.
0: know, I just, I, I. I I need to see. We need game one is going to tell us so much about what Lakers team we're going to get.
1: And I also think Jr was a huge pickup for them. Huge. See, so you're I a Jr fan. People hate J, hate on Jr, but he made one. He made a mistake. I get it. People get over the mistake. Jr was a huge piece of Cleveland's championship runs.
0: Oh yeah. No, I'm he, not done. I love Jr. Smith.
1: Jr is a legit defender and a knockdown shooter, and that's all you need from out of. Think about this lineup, right? Who who's beating This is the lineup that I envision being the end of game lineup most of the time for the Lakers. LeBron, JR, Danny Green, Kyle Kuzma, Anthony Davis. I mean the only weak spot in that def- defense line defensively is Kuzma. Right, but that is a I mean that's you're talking about five you're talking about four shooters around LeBron and that's how LeBron wins.
0: I wouldn't, call, I wouldn't call Kuzma a shooter. I'd say three shooters around LeBron. I'm not a big Kuzma guy. He really bummed, bummed me out this year with his lack of, like, jump.
1: But Oh, I mean, I think it's tough when you go from being the the man next to LeBron last year to Anthony Davis coming in. There's an adjustment period.
0: But he should have known this after everyone in on planet Earth knew this was coming for two freaking years, basically. Yeah, that's fair. And I think it's a good way to end the NBA talk, though. It's going to be interesting. I, I can't wait really to watch the game tonight. All right. Folks, we're going to call a quick audible here. I'm going to save the fight sports segment for Kevin because, you know, me and him always get love getting a fighting mood. We'll probably bring that on the live stream, which, by the way, 630 on our Twitter feed. It's always a fun time. Great outfits, sunglasses, hats. You know, we, I almost wore a cowboy hat last week. It, it's just a fun time. Um, and, of course, good beer. Now, let's keep this mood jazz. No weird shit this week. Kevin, of course, is on hiatus. So last call time. Folks. I am a Diamondbacks fan. You all know this. I love my snakes more than all else in baseball. But Fernando Tatis is the future of this game. He's got the swagger, the style, the hustle, the power, the defensive prowess. And he's loud. He's not Mike Trout who disappears into the nether regions until an Eagles game comes on. He's not Bryce Harper who signs a big contract, comes off kind of like a tool, and doesn't really deliver and get him to the playoffs. This kid is like second in the league in home runs right now. The only two people who are hitting just as hot as him are Calhoun and Aaron Judge. That's it. Nobody else is even touching him in how, how hot he's hitting right now. I think I'll, Matt, Matt, I'll throw Matt Chapman in there too as well. But last, uh, I believe it was last night, Rangers are getting the crap kicked out of him by the Padres. And it's a 3 0 count. Bases are loaded. And they threw a nice little meatball down Main Street. And Tatis, being the best hitter, one of the best hitters in baseball, hit an absolute crank shot into the seats. This caused a stir. Um, God. You know, the problem is, I've been bitching about this guy all day, Joey. And I can't even think of the guy's name. I'm so mad right now. Um, Rangers manager. What is his freaking name? Um... I go. I oh, Chris Woodward. Yeah, played for the play for the freaking I should remember he played for the freaking Blue Jays when I was a kid. Chris Woodward goes off and says, you know, it's it's you know unwritten rules about swinging 3-0, three, being up by that much. F you. That's for a golf team. I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated. This is ridiculous. This is where I this is where I cut loose a little bit. I, I've been keeping my language clean all day. I'm done. This is effing stupid. All right. I'm sorry. Unwritten rules of baseball is what kept it behind the NBA kept it not even within sniffing distance of of the NFL's like after trails And baseball used to be America's game but these unwritten rules those should have died with the generation who watched it in the in like the 20s okay I'm sorry no that sounds horrible but at the same time it's like I grew up loving baseball. It was my sport before I really started loving the Eagles I grew up. I grew up watching my boy Randy Johnson blow 102 mile an hour fastballs and sliders by hitters. A-Rod hitting my other idol, hitting crank shots into the seats. Barry Bonds just doing his little, like, you know, trot and flip with the bat. The whole run was from McGuire and Sosa. There is fun in baseball. There is greatness. One of my favorite players of all time is Carlos Gomez because that dude just played in Beltrade. These guys swung to their shoes, were goofy, were crazy. I love the fact that Joe Kelly, who's a Dodger, and I hate the Dodgers more than any other team in sports, is whipping balls at the the Astros. Baseball, stop with these unwritten rules. You almost got Bryce Harper in trouble a couple years ago, and he's one of the faces of your game. Embrace Tatis. He is not only a good-looking guy who plays with swagger. He's got the eye black, the Oakleys, the Nike endorsement deal. The guy hits moonshots. He's overshadowing Manny Machado, who everyone thought was next A-Rod. Overshadowing. I can't even remember. Like he's not. Machado has been downgraded to the third best player on his own team because Tatis and Hosmer are out, playing out of their minds. Enough. They made Tatis apologize, and I listened to it and it made me cry a little bit inside. It was like it, it's like that kid who hits a bomb off of the, like, you know, off of the kid who's, like, you know, the bench warmer and all the parents are booing him. It's like, the kid in his first home run, leave him alone. Like, Tatis is the son of an all-star sh- player for the Padres back in the day. He is a great player. We knew this kid was going to be talented. But his stardom exploding like this, Aaron Judge is only a star on the East Coast. Nobody cares about him out West. Give the West and the NL a star. I have no problem with Tatis being in my division because I know every time he comes into chase field or I have to go into petco I have to I get to see a guy who's got a rod levelable talent and I am for that this guy's the best player I've seen since a rod on the Rangers
1: yeah I'm, look here's what I'll say about the unwritten rules and then and, and and what you had to say about all that it it's there's a simple phrase that I think sums up the way you probably feel about it and the way I feel about it, it's not show friends. It's show business and swag and bravado and a guy like Tatis is good for business. Excels. So, so so it's good business. So we so unwritten rules. There are you know what in in this in this business where he's trying to make the most money for his family, he's trying to win games, he's trying. There's there's only the rules. There are the written rules. We don't need unwritten rules in anything. There's the rules, and then there's let's go out and win. And however I got to do that, that's what I'm going to do. So if him doing whatever he wants to do is what makes him into a name and helps baseball, which baseball needs all the help it can get in terms of appealing to a wider audience, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm right there with you.
0: I had a – I took a lot of marketing class in college because I I love business. I, I'm like a back end of it with sports management and journalism. Kind of all kind of felt like a nice little like blend to me. And, you know, we, I work for – we work we work with a startup right now. We are at a startup. To us, marketing and branding is everything. And if I'm baseball who has been craving for a superstar forever, you know the worst for us? Mike Trout's probably going to finish with like 700 home runs and nobody's going to ever hear him talk about anything. Tatis is the new A-Rod without the roids. And the best part is, is he done everything right. He steals bases. He's a phenomenal shortstop. He's the perfect marketer. And he's in a city in San Diego where it's not a small market, but it's a small enough market where you're like, oh, no, he's a big city guy. We hate him. Oh, it sucks. You don't... I am a, I'm in the same division as them. I don't hate the Padres.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I hate the Dodgers, yeah. the Giants, and the Rockies. I don't hate the
1: Padres. It's tr- Trout's like... Trout's like the equivalent to me, he's like Kawhi, right? Yes. So like Kawhi's Kawhi to me Kawhi is the best player in the NBA. Um but Kawhi does not sell the NBA. And when Kawhi's career is over, people aren't going to be like who's better LeBron, MJ or Kawhi. There it's Kawhi's going to sort of he, he'll be a Hall Harry of Famer. Duncan. He's going to be in the, he's going to be a Hall of Famer and people will remember him as a, the great player that he is, but because of his personality and the way he sort of carries himself, he'll sort of... Once he's done, he's just going to sort of fade out. He's not going to be a big part of the fabric of the league. And that's kind of... This is Duncan. That's why I think. The sense I get from... uh Yeah. From... Well, I, the only difference with Duncan had Pop. Yeah. So there's that aura of the Spurs mm-hmm. and that whole situation. That,
0: that dynasty had its own little kind of, like, reputation, whereas... And I think people... People love
1: pop at least it generally it, it, i guess i'm he's, not a big pop guy but like polarizing. I remember. he's definitely polarizing which is good polarizing is good love or hate at least you're getting a reaction oh
0: yeah um
1: Kawhi removed himself from that like he's the opposite he, he just said i'm out so i don't think
0: there's ever I, gonna be a i mean trout's gonna be an angel until he goes in the ground until he calls it quits but right. I, I don't think there's ever going to be a Kawhi in sports in any other sport. I think Kawhi is just is he's so odd that he's his own brand of odd, and it makes him yeah.
1: unique. Sure, yeah, totally. I mean, he I has could,
0: yeah. he has Rodman's randomness and oddness, but with like a mellowness of Tim Duncan.
1: <laughs> That's an interesting way of putting it. I could see that for sure. It's, he it I don't know. It's a definitely a much mellower oddness because Rodman was. I mean, listen, we've all watched Last Dance by this point. Oh, my God. Like, it's
0: – hey, I'm going to take Carmen over to Las Vegas for five days. That's
1: different. That's a different dude. That is an right. absolutely different dude. I, um, I remember when I first – after I left the Grizzlies, I came back down here. I was living down here for a few months. When I, The first night I went out on Fort Lauderdale Beach, mm-hmm. I went to the bar, and um, there was like a live band. Dennis Rodman comes barging into the bar, goes straight into the bathroom, don't know what happened in the bathroom, comes out, out of his mind, just jumps up on stage, takes the mic from the band, from the from the singer, tells the band to start playing, and just starts doing like, like screamo, like just screaming into the mic, just singing. It was absurd. And this was, and this is only, I mean, this is like 10 years after he retired. <laughs>
0: And that's my my best part that's like that's hey listen guys guys we got a treat today we got so much basketball we've got a dennis rodman we got steve clipper stories and we got a dennis rodman story to top it all off is the ice on the cake so yeah. listen joey thank you so much for stopping by and filling in for kevin today this was an amazing show definitely a fun one i haven't talked so much basketball in so long it's kind of refreshing um for a football nerd like me, it was kind of cool breaking out of that mold a little bit. And thank you for letting me start yelling and screaming about Fernando Tatis. I never thought I'd defend a Padre this hard. Um, But guys,
1: I I appreciate you having me. It was fun. Really fun.
0: Guys, seriously, you want basketball, you want knowledge, you got, you want somebody who knows the game inside and down. It's making me spin in circles by how much he knows. NBA morning deuce life sports is the best basketball podcast I've listened to in a very long time. Joey and Alex know what the hell they're doing, and it is a great show, and it's only gonna get better. I hope one day I can fill in one of these times. I'll get on at midnight with you guys at one point. But listen, yeah. Joey, thank you so much, man. You're oh you you are. I think you've officially salute, s- cemented yourself as our basketball guy, guys. Joey will be back a lot more. Don't you worry. So I'm Jared. That's Joey. Kevin will be back later. We're out. Hey, guys, Jared. Thanks for checking out the Corner Booth Pod. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Corner Booth Pod. This podcast is brought to you by the Belly Podcast Network. Rate or review this episode on the new Hubble Podcast app. This is the first listening app that allows you to rate and review podcast episodes. That's H-U-B-L. And their logo is a telescope on a red background. Look for it on the App Store, Google Play Store, and give them a follow on social media at Hubble Podcast App. Episode level ratings and reviews are a game changer for both listeners and creators. They give us better feedback so we can continue to make the show better, they help new listeners know where to start on new podcasts, and they stop you from wasting your time and listening to bad podcast episodes. So once again, that's H-U-B-L. Be sure to check it out and review this episode.